You are children of God, loved and saved by Jesus with the Holy Spirit poured out on you by his baptism. My dear Christian friends, family of water of life, do you remember last New Year's and Christmas? Not the one we just had, but over a year ago? It was kind of fuzzy for me. I don't know if it was COVID or what it was, but I tried to remember exactly what I did in 2020 around Christmas. I actually had to go back and go onto Facebook and check out pictures because I couldn't really remember, did I go see my mom or not? That was the only time when I checked it out, the only time in my 50-year-old life that I have not been at my mom's house for Christmas because my wife and I both had COVID and my mom still serves a, a bunch of elderly individuals and we didn't want to bring it to her, so I didn't get a chance to go see her. While I was checking that out, I noticed a lot of other memes and posts from that time. How people were really trashing 2020. They were, this is the worst year ever. This is the worst time ever in 2021. It's, it's going to be better. You know, and they were making all kinds of uh, predictions uh, that uh, the economy would get back on track. Uh, that polarizing thing that was happening so much. That's going to be over. That's going to be done with. We're going to come back together. And of course, COVID will be gone. Won't that be great not to wear those masks anymore or have to worry about any of that? Those numbers will keep on going down. And it seemed ironic as I got up this morning and looked at the little peaks and the valleys in the chart. It's like the highest it's ever been if you count certain numbers with COVID. People had their predictions. Was 2021 going to be a better year or worse? And I wonder how that worked out for everybody. For you personally, was 2021 a better year than 2020? Or was it about the same? Or is it kind of fuzzy? Maybe you personally had a great year. You know, your, your job, your business, your schooling, really well. Maybe you're like my youngest son who just loves online schooling and it's great and he's so glad to have all those options. Or maybe you're somebody who manages a restaurant or works in a school and there's been all kinds of hurdles and things to figure out and you can't seem to get enough people to keep it going. Maybe you're somebody who loves to stop by McDonald's drive through on the way and it seems like every third week it's closed when you come on in because they don't have somebody working there. Maybe you lost somebody. Maybe someone that you know got sick. Maybe not of COVID, maybe something else and it's been a tough year. And this was the first Christmas that you got together and that person was not there. 2021, maybe good, maybe bad for this congregation. Uh, I know you've been going through a, with your sister congregation, the vacancy, and you've been calling all year, I think Pastor Zarling told me, and you're wondering, is the Holy Spirit going to send somebody? And then Pastor Zarling got a call, and you thought maybe he was going to go, but he said, he's staying. You're going to be calling again soon. How, how's it going? How's it going for your church, your life, your business? When it comes to 2021, well, you can look back, but 2022, how's it going to go? I've seen some predictions as well, and I can tell you, I can tell you for certain, we don't know. God has not chosen to tell that to us in his word. In his wisdom, he must think it's best we really don't know, that we just need to know one thing for sure, that God has saved us. He wants us to cling to his gospel and know that for certain. 
And then everything else is a, is a detail and fits into that, and we're just totally relying on him. And that's the message I have for you today from God himself from our second lesson from Titus chapter 3. The big message that in 2022, you can begin this year knowing God has saved you. Now maybe you've been around this congregation for a while. That seems like, well, I know that, right? That's, we talk about that all the time. We confessed our sins. I heard already probably five times in this service that God has saved me. But we had to hear it again and again and again, because that's the one message our heart really doesn't want to hear and rejects and twists. The Apostle Paul, in writing to Titus, training him to be a young pastor, wanted to make sure that he knew and kind of put these words in tight to let us know that the whole Trinity has saved us. I, I normally don't do sermons with four parts, but there's four parts today. That doesn't mean it's going to be four times long or anything. What it means is it's just there's a lot about the Trinity here. So we're going to know that God has saved us because of the Father's mercy, through baptism by the Holy Spirit, through Jesus our Savior, and for living with hope. Our text is kind of short, at least I, I think it's kind of short. Uh, so I'm going to read it one more time, and I want you to listen for where does the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all show up to assure us that we've been saved. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. God has saved us because of the Father's mercy. Did you catch the part about the Father? That's at the beginning. I mean, all, all, th all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned, Father, Son, and Spirit, but it starts with the Father, and it describes him with several words. It describes him with the words kindness, love, and mercy. Great words. Uh, I'll just read verse 4 again. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Kindness and love. Now maybe you've if you've been around church for a while, you've heard about the Greek word agape. Uh, it's, it's known as this word that talks about the love of choice, the love that God has for sinful mankind, love they don't deserve. Great, beautiful word. God uses it in John 3.16 when it says, for God so loved the world. That's not the word love that's used here. Instead, these three words, kindness, love, and mercy, are kind of worked together to show us the different aspects of what we call agape love. It starts out by saying that God had this kindness. I don't know, I usually don't think about God being kind, but God wants you to know that he is kind. That means at the core he has this disposition of just wanting to be nice. Just wanting to do something good for you. He doesn't want to be an enemy with you. He wants you in his family. He wants you on his side. I looked up some older translations and instead of kindness, they said the benignity of God. I don't think I've ever used that word in my entire life. It is related to the word benign, though. You heard about if you get a, a, a tumor, a lump, and you get it tested, you don't want to hear it's malignant. You want the good news that it's benign. When it comes to our God, by nature, because of our sins, we would naturally think God is malignant towards us because we deserve it. But instead, he says, no, God is 
But nine, he wants to love you. He just has it at his core. Yes, he's a powerful God. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he hates sin. Yes, he, he punishes sinners. But he doesn't do that because he wants to punish people. At the core of everything he does, he does it because he wants to love you. He wants to have you with him. He wants a real relationship with you, and that's at the core of who he is. And maybe you know some people like that, that they can sometimes be a little cranky or a little harsh, but you know at the core they really love you. And boy, that is so great to know. You can just have a lot of fun with someone when you know at the core they love you, and that's our God. That's our Father. And then it says he has kindness, and then it says love. But that's not agape love. That's what I I thought it was when I read it first in English. Oh, that's got to be agape. No. Instead, it's philanthropy. It means the, the love or the like, the friendship love of mankind. You see, God not only wants to love us, but he has a special place in his heart for you, for people. I mean, God made the whole world, but he made the whole world for humans. That's in his heart. He just loves what you are. Can I, to help me illustrate, I'm going to take a little quiz here. I don't know if uh, you get used to doing this, but I'm used to a- having people kind of vote. I want to see if you're still awake and everything. Um, some people are cat people, some people are dog people. And, I, and I'm not going to make fun of either. Uh, anybody here consider themselves a cat person? Oh, there are some proud cat people. That, and I, I love cats, and I, I visit a lot of people that are cat people. Often, if they're cats people. It's got to have more than one so often. Um, but they just have a heart for cats. Who here is a dog person? We call themselves a dog person. Usually a few more, whatever. You can put your hands down. Um, I, I love dogs too, but I would have to call myself a dog person. When a dog, like I'm walking down the street, and there's three people walking with the dog. Who do I look at? I don't look at the people. I look at the dog. Oh, the dog. I, you know, I was supposed to be doing evangelism, but I'm like paying attention to the dog. Um, and in my house, I had this cute little dog named Frosting, a little cute little white dog. And I'll, I'm like, I think I pay more attention and do more things for him than I do for uh, my six children. It's like, oh, how are you doing? I want to see what's going on. And he just puts his paws on his face. It's so cute, right? I just have a heart for dogs. What our God is saying here is even though he made cats and dogs and made this whole world, he's got a heart for you. He just loves to see you even when, you know, you're not so perfect. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants you. And he just has that heart for people. That's what this world is all about and that's what our Heavenly Father is all about. And that's why right away from the beginning when humanity messed it up, he already had a plan from all eternity to love you. And that plan was to send himself, to send his only son to join humanity. I mean, that's, I mean, I love dogs a lot, but would I really want to spend time in my dog's kennel with them? Ah, no. Would I really want to eat his food? No, I love you, but I don't want to be you. But our Heavenly Father loved us so much, his plan was to send his one and only Son to be us, to be with us. And actually, it's a bigger step from God to me than it is from me to a dog. It, it, He did that for us. That's the heart that he has. He has this kindness and love. Two big words for our Heavenly Father so that you know you've been saved. And then it says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. See, God's telling us that he has this kind heart towards us and and he just loves us. And we might start to think, well, yeah, because we're kind of lovable. You know, I'm kind of a swell guy. And Paul wants Titus, no, no. No, it has nothing to do with you. 
That's not how we know we're saved. Zero percent has to do with you. It's 100 percent God. It's because of God's mercy. Now that word mercy doesn't get us to focus our eyes on the person who's doing the good thing or giving the gift. It focuses on the recipients. Mercy lets us know that the people that are getting the good thing, getting the blessing, are kind of shabby and kind of not very nice and not able to help themselves at all. They really need help. That's what mercy stresses. Um, I illustrate mercy. I, I remember when I was eight years old and I was in a car with my dad up in northern Wisconsin. We're driving in the rain and suddenly I spied a little kitten on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. And I said, Dad, we got to stop. There's some little kittens there. And we had cats and dogs at our little rural spot. So uh, my dad pulls over and I get out and it's raining and there's three little itty bitty kittens that literally had been ditched there. There was nobody, there was, they must have been tossed out and put there and they were all miserable and bad and low. So I tried to grab them and they scratched me and they were awful. And so I had to take my sweatshirt off and I'd load them up and we get them in the car and bring them home and they were mean the whole time. I got a bunch of scratches. They were wet and smelly and icky and cranky. It, my dad and I loved them and they lived with us and they enjoyed our place and we just blessed them. When it comes to mercy, we're worse than those cats in the, in the ditch. Um, we are miserable sinners who are hostile to God by nature and we scratch him and push back at him, but God just brings us on in even though we don't deserve it. And that's where the Father, his kindness, his love of people and his mercy come together, God has saved us. But our Father didn't just zap us. That's not, he doesn't just control us like robots. Instead, he always devises means. And he uses himself to bring us into his family. So we can also rejoice we've been saved through baptism by the Holy Spirit. It says, God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. God has devised these means to save us. His word, his gospel coming to us, and the way that's highlighted here is through baptism. A crazy thing that God invented. I never would have thought of that. To convey the gospel through water. And what it says happens is you pour water on the outside. You can see that. But what he says is actually being poured is the Holy Spirit on the inside. And it always works. It's always powerful. It's for everybody. Jesus gave the command to baptize everybody and it keeps on working. You don't have to be baptized again and again and again. And I mentioned in the children's message, if you haven't been baptized or you know someone who hasn't been baptized, get them connected with Pastor Zarling. What a great thing to give people baptism. If you have, were baptized five years or 50 years ago or 80 years ago, no, God is still working on you when you woke up today by your baptism. It keeps on working on you because the Holy Spirit was poured on you. And that's our great comfort. Baptism is 100% grace, 100% God. It's not how we did yesterday. And we don't have to renew our contract. God keeps on loving us. Now that's a great comfort for you personally to wake up every day and say, I'm a baptized child of God. Nothing's changed even if I messed up again. Even if I sinned again, I can wake up and know I'm new and fresh a child of God. But it's also a great comfort when you're carrying out ministry like you guys are to know that that's a powerful tool that keeps on working and keeps on traveling. When you baptize the children in your congregation, when you baptize new people, if you reach out with your school and you baptize some children, 
You can know that God actually works. You can see it and celebrate it. You can't always see the outside expression. You can't always say, oh, now they joined our church and maybe see him for the next 50 years. But you can know mission accomplished. We baptize someone. Jesus told us to do that. Make disciples and baptize them. Celebrate that and let God figure out the results and figure out the long-term thing and just be comforted by it. At chaplains and schools where I serve, I've personally baptized like 350 people in the last like five years. That's a lot of people. I don't have 350 people worship with me on Sundays. In fact, our, our, our church is not worshiping in person right now. That can be kind of distressing. You know, you shared a lot of gospel. And what's going on? Well, the great comfort for me is even though I keep on reaching out to those families, want them into Bible study, but some of them move away and do this, is that baptism still travels. It's that powerful. That when I meet that child I baptized when they were 10 and I meet them when they're 70, if I'm still alive, they're still baptized. I don't have to do it again. You can reject baptism, you can push it away, but the Holy Spirit loves them more than I do and keeps on working. Maybe you're like me and you have a relative. Somebody you know was raised in a church just like yours, like I have my older brother, Willard. He's not a Christian anymore. But I, I know he uh, heard God's word as a kid. I know he learned it in his school. And I know he was baptized. So I know the Holy Spirit's still working on him. And when I reach out to him, when I mention things, when I see him at Christmas, I know God's still working on him and can't take that back. Such a great comfort to know we have the Holy Spirit still working through that powerful tool of baptism. And then we know we're saved through Jesus, our Savior. Just a few short words. Kind of a lot of words on the Father, a bunch of words on the Spirit. Then it just says we're saved through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know, when we say our creed that we're going to do a little bit, the creed, the biggest section is usually on Jesus. And that makes sense. I like that. But here, the Apostle Paul made it the smallest section. Just said, our Savior. When you say Savior, even though it's true of the Father, true of the Spirit, Jesus is known as the Savior because he was the one who loved people enough to come and live with us, and die in our place. We just celebrated that at Christmas, we came as true God and true human to be that perfect tool, that perfect individual to obey and be worth enough for all of us. And today we're celebrating that after making it to 30, he was commissioned on his ministry to really share the gospel and to be the gospel. We are saved by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with the result that we can live with hope. That's where our text finishes. It says, so that, having been justified by his grace, Father, Son, and Spirit, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. The result of the Trinity's work, we are saved, and now we have hope to live now and forever. To carry our ministry kind of fearlessly, a little crazily, knowing that we're saved. It's been done in the past, and we don't have to worry about any of that. It stresses here, justified by his grace. Now, when I mention the word mercy, that really looks at how shabby the recipients are and how unworthy they are, like those three cats scratching me. But the word grace really focuses our hearts on who's doing it, that God is really giving us a present. It's a true gift, that God is just that gracious. He's just that giving. He's really giving it to us 100% for nothing from us, which means we can't mess it up. It's that good. Our God is that good. He has saved us. And so it's permanent. And we can go forward striving again to serve him, knowing God will take care of it all. And that's what gives us hope. 
Now, in English, maybe you know that word hope is a maybe. I really hope, like uh, a week ago uh, during church time, I was hoping the Packers were going to get the number one seed in the playoffs. But statistics told me it was just 77.1% of the time. But now, they're statistically, it's in, right? They won last week. doesn't matter what happens today. So I, I still have that hope that the Packers will get the number one seed. And in theory, they have to go through the game today. But it doesn't matter what it looks like. They could lose 152 to nothing today. And they're still the number one seed. When it comes to our God, we know we've been saved. Eternity is ours. We are God's children. But it might look in our life, and it might look this week like we're losing 152 to nothing. People could look at you and think, you don't have a relationship with God. Look how things are going. 2022 could be the worst year ever personally and for our nation and for our world it could be instead of having the omicron variant disappear we never hear from it again like some say we could have sigma and tau and rho pop up and be the worst we don't know if it's going to be bad or good but we do know and that's what gives us our hope our confidence no matter what takes place this year we're all set we're all good because the father the son and the Holy Spirit have saved us. If you know that you are saved by your triune God, let me hear you say amen.